Welcome to Big 20, roundtable discussion where GMs from all walks of life discuss gaming and field questions from viewers. Hosts this week are... I'm Dan from Fear the Boot. Find our uh, show at feartheboot.com. I am Scram. You can find me on the Shadowcasters Network every other Monday. And I'm Pete. Um, you can find me on Gnome Stew. I'm a staff writer there. I also make games as Imagining Games. Uh, my premier game was Dream Chaser. This episode, we are talking about keeping a schedule. Yeah, specifically in context of the holidays. Is that right? Well, yeah, it's- seems apropos. It seems like the holidays are like one of those primary times of the year that just really traps groups and forces them out of routines. So like, there's no better time than Christmas time to really talk about it. Yeah, I know I- the two of you are, are pros on this topic. <laughs> <laughs> the pros in so far as uh, this is like being repeatedly into debt collection. I, I don't know if there's anything to be proud of here, <laughs> but pros in that we've had so many games fail around mm. the holiday times that we've had to learn how to adapt and survive. So have you found that holidays themselves derail the game completely? Is that what you've experienced? Within our group? Yeah, because yeah. we tend to game historically, we gamed about once a week. Uh, we've now cut back most of our games every other week, but I, what is the average uh, when someone has a habit? I think the chances of them recovering that habit after having only failed it twice starts to drop to uh, like a near 0% recovery. Like if you, let's say you work out on three times a week and you skip it once, you're in a little trouble. You skip it twice, you're probably falling off the horse. Uh, so yeah, you go through the holiday season between Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, plus all the related things. So, well, Thanksgiving, maybe two or three holidays. If you've got in-laws or a step family, uh, Christmas, if you've got kids, maybe performances and then work dinners. And, uh, if you're at a church, there may be a cantata or something like that to go through or whatever it is. But, you know, it's basically the season that just leave your leaves your life as scorched earth that goes on from like mid-November through about a week or two into January. Yeah. And, you know, one of the big things I was thinking about is, you know, what sucks is when you start a new game and you get all this energy and people really buy into it and they get really excited. But as soon as a game starts to falter, that momentum shifts to players beginning to doubt your game, whether it's your game, the other players attending, will the GM be ready? Will we actually play this week? Is this game going to die? And it's a downward spiral. Um, And so when the holidays come and so many games have to go on break, it just kind of opens the door to something like that. And us thinking about how it maybe it's even more important now than ever to stick with our game if we can't. So when you say a game loses momentum, you mean in terms of scheduling, not necessarily in-game content. Exactly. Okay. Okay. I think there's also an emotional momentum that gets lost there. Have you ever been playing a video game, watching a TV show, whatever? Just anything that has, it's not one dose entertainment. It's something you have to do across multiple sittings. You get partway into it and then life pulls you away and you decide to pick it back up again a year later. And you don't, you're not in the flow of it. You don't remember where you were at. You don't remember what you were invested in. And you just end up starting it over. To, you know, you have to re-pick it up from the beginning to kind of build up that, that takeoff speed. 
And I think role-playing games suffer from the exact same thing, that you step away from for too long and people forget what was going on, what they were playing. They may even lose some of that emotional investment in terms of the story and characters. They, They just don't feel it anymore. They don't care about it anymore. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. You kind of forget too. I used to always write um, write-ups for my games for the for those who who couldn't make it. But I had I had a, a pretty lenient policy for when people couldn't make the game. Um, but I'm curious about your experiences with that. If you have one player who can't make it, do you cancel completely? Unless that player is really, really important to the next installment of the game, no, our rules down two, we cancel. Down one, we continue. That's... Yeah, and I, I think that's critical. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. too many groups, that's kind of one of the downward spiral effects is that players then quickly be, you know, start guessing if so-and-so is going to make it this week because we really need them for the next part of the adventure or the, the key character. But if you stall one week, two weeks, three weeks, that game's dead. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, it becomes a thing with, with you as the game master for whatever continuing campaign it is. Um, does that change how you prep? Because it becomes a thing if you can't get the scheduling dialed down. Mm-hmm. Which sucks because if it, if it changes how you prep, it might change like the level of intimacy for players to GM or to players into the, getting immersed into their characters. So there's a lot of doors that can kind of close if you can't get scheduling held down. Not to mention, you don't want to be the person chasing after everyone. <laughs> oh, that's for sure. <laughs> you will that's, burn out. Uh, that's a different kind of GM burnout, you know? So. Yeah, I think, I think in my experience, what keeps a game going is um, dogged determination from the DM to make an effort every single week to make a game happen. And sometimes, too, if you, if you have only a couple of players, maybe you could do like a a dream sequence, you could do a flashback, you could do a side quest, you could do something different. But I think even just having it keep going every single week, you're totally right about, Dan, about the losing the habit. As soon as you start to slide, it's... it's. Yeah, I had a couple of notes here on things that we found that help. And actually, you just hit well, the second one on my list, which is treading water. You just find something to keep the game going. Even if you have to pause the main plot, you can chase a side plot. You know, okay, your characters, the, this isn't about defeating the big bad, but you've been wanting to go gather herbs from this mountain for some reason. So we're going to do a side plot on that. Mm-hmm. Or we're going to do a flashback to things that happened two years before this campaign even took place. Or, you know, some completely unrelated side story that you guys were in the town and about to leave and some of you get drawn into uh, a side dungeon or I, I don't know what, you know, cook to t- uh, taste with your game, but just find something to keep the habit there and to keep at least the GM and as many players as possible invested, even if it's not the, you know, the primary content that you were doing. Yeah. The game's got to go on, right? It's like the show. Mm-hmm can't mm-hmm. stop the theater act right in the middle um and unfortunately as much as each player is very important right if you keep finding yourself having to make excuses or side plot you know the campaign um we get into that interesting territory which no one has great advice for which is like how do i tell my friends show up or don't keep coming back or you know take mm-hmm. a break come back mm-hmm. oh i've got advice for that yeah right um it better not be change the day of the game without time. No, 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 no. I, I, I think that's hard enough to do. It is, well, we can hit on that one first, actually, consistency of scheduling. 
but I want to pause here real quick to, uh, so apparently great minds think alike because of course we're in a, there's like a 30 second delay between our talking and chat. So it looks like uh, Dusty was actually suggesting something pretty similar. And also mm-hmm. uh, Greyhawk Mike, uh, Merry Christmas to you as well. Merry Christmas. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think consistency and scheduling is important because like with my family, they know uh, our typical podcasting night was Tuesday nights. We may be switching it to Wednesday, but my family and my friends, they all know Tuesday nights, I'm not free. Yeah. And I know every week when I'm setting my schedule up, I don't have to look at a Google calendar or anything. I just know Tuesday night's podcasting night. That's the night we're going to sit down and record an episode. And the same thing's true for gaming. You know, if with our Skies of Glass game, which is a homebrew post-apocalyptic game, we play it every other Thursday. So if somebody says, Dan, are you free on a Thursday? I know I at least need to check my calendar first. Um, And if we shift that especially from week to week, I think it is far easier, especially for the more scatterbrained people uh, to have trouble keeping up with that, to not know and to make secondary or, or, you know, tertiary plans on that day, simply having not remembered that that was the game day. So I think, yeah, consistency, if at all possible, is key. Now, for some people, maybe they can't do it. Maybe they work a retail job or a uh, nursing job or something where the schedule changes every week. They just plain cannot consistently be free every Thursday night. Um, And you have to adjust to that. One of the cool things I heard when I was doing some research, looking at previous Gnome's Do articles to make sure I I wasn't repeating stuff that already been said, was uh, some groups talked about even scheduling multiple nights in advance. Like if you know your group is difficult, like at the end of the session, we don't plan just next session, but we plan like the next three. Mm. People have shifting schedules where that can lend itself to it. Yeah. And I think it's fair to expect the people in the group to take a little bit of responsibility. I mean, come on, in the age of things like Google calendars and such, you know, if you're the type of person where you are scatterbrained, have a day planner, whatever works for you, a day planner, an electronic calendar, have something, note when the game is, you know, take some responsibility for your life because it's not just you, you're screwing up. I mean, especially once you get out of your, you know, high school years where you may or or may not have a lot of free time. You know, once you get to the point where you're holding down a job and kids and the kids are involved in 25 things, you got this going on, that going on. It's not just your night. You know, you are asking other people to make a commitment to be available and to be free. And if you blow that off, you have screwed several other people. And I, you know, not to be too harsh here, but I think that's a very disrespectful thing to do. I mean, make at least some, yes, accidents are going to happen. Things are going to come up, but at least make some genuine attempt to get this down. Yeah. Well, and like you said, I think that's why it's so critical to try to at least, if you can, pick a day, right? Have that day that's every week. Because anything you can do to help that group each know like, oh, it's a Tuesday. I got to check my calendar. I have to pay attention to that. Oh, I'm I'm usually busy on Tuesday. So can we pick another night? Because then we're all kind of shielding ourselves from the possibility of something coming up. You know, as much yeah. as we can. We got another great minds moment, Sergeant Dan. Uh, Sergeant was, Dan. Uh, yeah. Hey, Sergeant Dan. I just found out you were in surgery, man. You doing all right? I I don't know how I missed that, but I heard you had to go in for surgery. So I know you're on a delay here because of the way Twitch works. But please post something back here. Tell me you're all right. Uh, I guess you are by the fact that you're on Twitch, but 
Um, <laughs> so, does anyone have any other points where we're at now? Because if not, sorry, gonna... my laugh was at Dusty, not not at Sergeant. Oh. I wanted to I wanted to address that one. Um, uh, Dusty asked, what, what about people who can't commit because plans stress them out? Parentheses, the guy I play with have commitment issues. Yes, they are all single. <laughs> um, so there's a couple things. There's a couple things about that. Um, and I, I, I may not be, I don't know if I'm going to fully answer your question, but I want to talk about an experience I had with a player um, who had some uh, significant mental health issues and would kind of, it was sort of always a game day thing, whether or not, he'd be able to um, make it. It was uh, whether or not he was able to mentally be present. Um, and so maybe made about half of our sessions, possibly less. Um, and uh, as, as much as, as a DM that can get a little bit, it can get a little bit frustrating. Of course, I understood because he was going through some, some health issues. There wasn't really anything he could do about it. Um, and uh, the thing was, I only had one. And I had like a core group that kept showing up every week. So that happened on, on occasion, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like game breaking. If you have a whole group of people like that, well, yeah. So you have same stuff, but there's three. <laughs> I, I, that's, that's tough. I don't know. I, I, maybe you just have to pick sporadic days and run one shots. I don't know. I don't know if you can do a full campaign with people who can't, who can't actually do that. And sometimes too, that's, that's good. That's enough for someone. Um, yeah. I- Okay, so someone who actually has anxiety issues, Mm -hmm. and I've actually had problems exactly like what's being described here, where the very existence of a commitment starts stressing me out, that I Mm -hmm. start being like, you know, you start going through all these different uh, mental contortions of, oh, I've got to be there a certain time, and what if I'm late, or what if I'm not ready to perform, or... I'm just not feeling like getting out of the house right now. Mm-hmm. But if I don't go, then they'll be disappointed. And then my yeah. character will get screwed. And you put yourself into the cycle of worry where you just keep making it worse and worse and worse until eventually you have self-fulfilled that prophecy. You are too miserable to show up. And I have found a couple things that really help. Uh, helped me get through it. And yes, there are things that the person with anxiety needs to do to learn to manage these issues. Sure. But... I'm going to punt that one because that'd be hours of discussion unto itself. (laughs) But if you are not that person, but you're trying to corral that person, let me give you some real simple advice. And it's all going to be under the thesis of reduce the burden of stress. If somebody says, I can't make it because I'm feeling anxious, don't make a big deal out of that. Say, you know what? That's 100% fine. We want you to take care of yourself come back when you can. Now, that may mean you as a game master have to have some uh, tentative plot elements where if so-and-so is here, I really want to involve him or her, and this is how we're going to do it. But if they're not, and there's a decent chance they won't be, if this is my plot can't hinge on this. It's got to be a plug-and-play optional thing to be in there. Um, or maybe do something episodic. Some games are better at this than others. A game like Star Trek is wonderful for episodic gameplay. Uh, you you know, each game or each every two or three games is a different mission. And if Bones isn't in this episode, then Bones isn't in this episode. Or if you're playing D&D, you know, maybe instead of one long ongoing campaign, 
there's a series of things that they do for the king and each one is relatively short in story arc. So it's okay for a person or two or three people to drop in and out as their mental health allows them to be there. Yeah, Dan, I mean, the follow-up here is how hard are you on them uh, when it comes to like long-term? I mean, is it a conversation where you're like, well, we know that this can happen and I want to be I want this to be a safe place for you. I want to be there for you. I want to make sure that it's a game and you have fun. But since we do have four other people um, who sometimes occasionally will also need this, I mean, is there like an unspoken agreement of, you know, there's times when this will work plot wise, or does the whole group know that sometimes we just shut game down and play backup game of fiasco or, you know, something that we have on the shelf? Um, Because, you know, for any of us who run long, running campaigns uh you know obviously this you know if this can pop up at any time i don't know how often you could really shelf the game you know yeah and i think this is where it comes back to the person that has the issue to accept and i want to say responsibility and i want to be very careful here to distinguish fault from responsibility there is no hard question because (laughs) it came up right yeah right and but and it's but it's a I think it hinges on that distinction that the internal perception that the person with anxiety has, and sometimes the outsiders will have toward that person, is they start to see it as fault. They start to see it as this is creating a problem. I am the source of a problem. They are the source of a problem. And it becomes emotionally charged. And that only makes it worse. And I think the advice that I would give is you don't make it an issue of fault, but you do make it an issue of practicality and responsibility. And I think that's a very fair thing. Um, You know, if when I was going through one of my phases where my anxiety was really, really bad, I had one job in particular where the job had a terrible schedule and it was incredibly stressful. I mean, it really did damage to my life. And uh, some people had to come to me during that time and say, look, we just can't count on you to be there. You're welcome if you can show up, but you have to understand that you know we can't pause the game every time you're not available or have the primary plot center around you and your character-related NPCs and such. And I had to take enough responsibility to say, that's fair. You know, as my friends, you're still including me, but you are not making me the, the the fulcrum upon which this game moves. And if the person with the issue can't accept that, you know, I feel bad for them. I feel a lot of sympathy for the issue they have, but your issue does not excuse a different form of toxic behavior. Yeah. Um, and I think too, there's creative solutions around these things. So say you do have somebody who shows up one out of every four games and you have a core group of players, then you can, you, I mean, it's your world, make whatever rule you want. Maybe they are, for some reason, phasing in and out of different um, different planes. They have some sort of weird thing. They were implanted with a gem in their spine when they were a baby, I don't know. <laughs> and they just like phase in and out. I had, when I first ran um, uh, a campaign, I had a newborn baby. Um, so I made him a god in my campaign. And so when he would, cry at night to be fed, I'd have to leave for like 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> so I'd be like, uh, and you hear a great, a great cry uh, and time freezes uh, and I'll be back in a bit. And then I would make them roll for like an offering that they gave to this baby God. And they like, they like ran to it, ran with it. One of the, one of them, like it was his main deity. And then it came central to the plot through the whole, it was, they like totally, totally embraced it. 
So you can work in s s weird story things um, that will make it make sense. Um, but Dusty, in your case, with having three people who are inconsistent, it might make sense to go to more of a um, episodic one-shot thing, like Dan and Pete were saying. That's kind of, yeah. I mean, it's just the game that you're going to have to have if you want to play with those people, right? Yeah, and that's fine to play with those people, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> like, like, that's not a bad thing. But yeah, if you're, you know, a lot of people kind of shoot themselves in the foot when they're looking for a long-term, very stable group, and they need to basically sit back and look at their group and go, this is not the right group for that game that I want to have. And maybe I need to go find other players or, you know, especially with World 20 and stuff, you can find other players, you can find other groups, game stores and such, you know, um, there's no wrong group. There just can be a wrong play style for the group you have. Totally. Yeah. And if the character is not off camera, I think there are a couple other things that you can do to handle them. One is you can NPC them. Uh, and I, I would strike some kind of a social contract there to say, okay, if I NPC your character, this is what they're going to get in terms of reward, and this is what they're facing in terms of risk. You know, where can we come to agreement here? Uh, are, are you just going to be present when they need to roll your skill checks and otherwise you're not terribly involved? Do I fully NPC you? You know, and I think the game master ought to look at why they're missing. If they're blowing you off because you're just not a priority to them, screw it, kill their character, you know? <laughs> but... <laughs> If, if it's the work schedule thing or if it's an anxiety thing, maybe say, you know, okay, we need the healer, so we're going to NPC you. By the way, always play the healer because that means you're always going to get the best deals. <laughs> uh, you know, we'll NPC you into the background. We understand that this isn't something that's really your fault, so we're not going to kill you. We'll give you half XP or, you know, whatever. I, I don't know. You can work something out that, that makes sense to everybody. Uh, the other thing I think you can do is if the plot is stopped because of them, contact them and say, hey, no pressure. It's okay. You can't make it tonight. But we do need to know, you know, you were at this big plot point where either you're going to submit to the request of your temple or rebel against them. And that determines whether you guys follow plot A or plot B. Can you just tell me what you're doing for that? Yeah. And that can be an email, that can be a yeah. text message, that can be a phone call. And just so you as the game master plus the other players can still move forward until that person's able to return. Um, but just say, hey, I, I just need something. Left or right, which is it? I, I don't care which, but you know, don't don't hold the rest of us up. It seems like a pretty fair time to talk about like what groups we've had before and how we got around previous issues like this. Um, so, like like Scrim, like for example, um, would you say that you've had multiple groups since like you started gaming and running games and playing games? Um, yes, yes, and no. Uh, I've had one like one big main campaign and then kept kind of the same players throughout that. So. Um, yeah, two or three, I guess, yeah. Okay. And when you look at the groups, uh, I'm sure that they had different sort of makeups when it came to scheduling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, like one group probably had more problems than another. Totally. Well, I, I my very first game, um, the Game Master introduced me to the camera panning concept. Like, someone wasn't there. Like, if, if one person didn't make it, we kept going and just sort of panned the camera over them. They were essentially invincible like they wouldn't really get hurt <laughs> and then uh we we wouldn't um it was fourth edition so i i can't speak too too well to the balance of of how you know not having a healer mattered um 
because it was my first game and I was very lost. <laughs> I started like level 21. Um, <laughs> wow. But uh, yeah, it was crazy. I did, I did not make my character. My friend made my character and I was like, mm, this is really fun. What do I do next? What am I, what, which power have I used? I, I made all my cards for all these. Anyway, that's, that's another story. But, um, but yeah, I got to the point where a couple people just sort of started flaking every week. And so this game had been going for four and a half years. And uh, they just had cycled through all these people. There's only two original members from it. Um, so they had like a very sort of stable group <laughs> um and then like people would flake out and then other people would come in and and so it just it kept going because the dm wanted to keep it going so that was yeah. one example of uh and that was kind of I, I liked that idea of you just sort of pan the camera because you know they're just sort of there and we don't sure. really need to get into too much detail about why they're not doing anything what about you guys so go ahead Pete. I was like, Dan, I know, <laughs> like from listening to Fear the Boot, I know of at least two core groups that you've had, maybe three now with Fear with uh, Skies of Glass. I don't know if that counts, partially different. Uh, in terms of current gaming groups I've got, it's really just the Skies of Glass one. Over the course of my life, man, I'd have to think through it. I've been gaming since 88. So <laughs> I'll just say several. I, I don't know an exact yeah. number. I'd have to think through it, but... I've had several groups, and of course, even within those groups, you know, I will take Chad as an example. I have been friends with Chad, no joke, since I was three years old. I have known Chad longer than one of my sisters by virtue of her having been born a year after I met Chad. Um, so I have seen, even within a single group, phases of life where people that didn't have kids have them, yeah. and then those kids get old enough to where they're self-entertaining. You know, it went from no kids to a crying baby to a kid in the other room playing Switch and just didn't matter. Um, and so, I, yeah, I mean, I've seen every side of this. And it's just, you got to, I mean, you got to strike that balance of, on the one hand, people have got to show respect and take it seriously. They've got to make an attempt. But the group has to be flexible enough to understand that, uh, as I think was Sergeant Dan just threw out. I mean, he's right. It's it's just a game. You know, real life comes first. You got a crying baby in the other room. What am I gonna uh, slap your character down because you <laughs> had a kid? I mean, that, that's you know that would show some gross immaturity on my part. Um, if somebody's got a genuine anxiety disorder and they're doing the best they can, you know, they're getting help for it. They're not using it as an excuse to be toxic to the group, then cut them some slack. You know, it's, th it's just a game. These are your friends. We're supposed to be having fun. This is not serious business. Yeah. If you it is serious stories? business, then yeah, yeah. I mean, Jack Chick has some reading material for you. But you know something I found that helps? And it was funny because I actually, this was covered on two episodes of our show. And the reason I got two episodes was on the first episode, I threw it out there, and universally, everyone on the mics shot me down. And Eric, can you just not shake your head? Am I allowed to cuss? Yes, okay. It <laughs> shot me down and shit all over me. And then suddenly, a year or two goes by, and they're like, oh, we should totally do things like this, and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? You guys just crapped all over this. Like, no, we didn't. This is the, we never talked about this. I had to pull the episode to show them. But that is gamify the game. All right, here's what I mean by gamify the game. And let me stress that this is for people who you don't think are making sufficient effort. This is not meant for people who have real life issues. All right. But gamifying the game is you basically say, 
that for certain activities, I am going to reward you in some sort of game or metagame method. If you give me a character that has a background that's between so many words and so many words, then you get to start with some extra XP or a free roll off the loot table. If you give me some plot hooks that I can use in developing my campaign, then I'm going to give you a starting plus one magic item or something like that. Um, if you show up for a game, then each game you show up for, simply being there is worth whatever's appropriate in the game, XP, Benny chips, fate chips, you know, but you, you put a, an in-game or a metagame value to the activities that are necessary to the health of the game. And what you are doing is you're rewarding the people that participate while you're not necessarily punishing the people that don't participate, except by virtue of the fact that they're not included. So if somebody doesn't show, I don't take XP away from them, but they don't get the 25 or 50 point or whatever bonus that the people who did show up got. If somebody took time to gave me a fully developed character that's gonna help me create a well-integrated campaign, well, then they get a bonus starting item role that nobody else or the people that didn't do it, you know, they don't get that because they couldn't be bothered to invest in it. And it's like anything else in life, at work, in your personal relationships, your marriage, your parent-child relationships, you're rewarded for the investment you make. Why should gaming be different? Do you have any problem players that you can think of or any one group over the years that was like, God, the worst the schedule? <laughs> I had a problem player. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure. Oh, goodness. Yeah, I'm not going to name them. Uh, <laughs> but, oh, yeah. It wouldn't matter. It might matter in your groups because maybe. <laughs> yeah, because some of the people I name are, are either current or past hosts. But, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, goodness gracious. I mean, one individual in particular. I, I tell you, it was a, a life-changing moment in terms of how I understood this person when I saw a Facebook image macro uh, that said, never treat as a priority someone that makes you an option. <laughs> and I said, I'm not going to call him out because oh. not the kind of person I am. But yeah, I mean, it was, they were blowing off games and blowing off even non-games, like, you know, going out to eat or something yeah. for oftentimes very, very trivial reasons. And that was part of why we started developing some of this. I mean, we started off talking about the holidays, but, you know, the holidays, yeah, they are a vortex of game killers. But that's not the only reason a person doesn't show. Yeah, for sure. So what about a player, have any of you had this, who really wants to be there um but they for whatever reason even if they're there they're very tired or distracted or unable to really focus how do you deal with that like sort of more passive participation where like you know they they're passionate they want to be there but it, it just for some reason isn't clicking yeah i know when it comes to me th there's two things there right there's there's basically figuring out one of two things if it's the player and their play style, then it is what it is, and that's cool. Like, if that's how they get their fun, right? Um, if, if they're more casual, you know, um, and if everyone really, you know, it's like, hey, this is, I'm grabbing a name out of the air for all the bills that I know. It's Bill. Uh, like, hey, Bill shows up. Bill loves being here. Likes being with his friends. He likes, you know, sometimes he brings chicken wings. Um, but we all hang out. He has a good time. He doesn't really get all the way into the RP. He sometimes gets excited in combat sometimes he's over there kind of reading a book in between and it's not a dnd book or a gaming book <laughs> it's it's like fiction or something but um you know the other one is that is a person who's going through something right so uh, yeah. that, that person gets a conversation 
Um, you know, obviously that's a behind the scenes conversation. That's not a so let's stop the game conversation. Yeah, yeah. That's the, <laughs> you know, on break or, you know, if you get a chance or, or more likely probably between game sessions, you say, Hey, you know, like what's going on? Like, um, are you enjoying the game? And you, you start, you, but you have to be straight with this person. You have to, you know, point up things like, Hey, uh, you seem kind of tired and let them tell you why, right? Like don't assume, um, because if this person, maybe there's more going on than, you know. Uh, maybe they don't know what the perception is, but they also have to know, like Dan had said earlier, right? That you know we're all kind of responsible for game, and your um, your presence, if it's as a party pooper, is bringing it down. Mm. So, can we fix these things? Are they workable? Can you try doing a few more things, or is this something that we as a group have to just talk about out loud and kind of deal with for a little while? Hopefully, because I mean, if it's a you know, too long term of a thing, then that's a deal breaker too, right? So, that's yeah, I think. I would look at the question from two sides. Uh, the first is what we've been talking about, which is what's wrong. Are they like this all the time? Um, is this because they're going through a difficult period in their life? Is it just a bad day? You know, there's nothing wrong with them in general, but they just, they were really tired last night, didn't get a lot of sleep, came in. Um, is this a difficult phase they're going through? Is this a mental health issue? Or is this somebody who's phoning it in? They're reading a book. They're playing games on their their cell phone. They're they're being just plain rude. And so I think the first thing I would want to know is is what's wrong. But there's another question that I would want to try and work out because I think this would also determine my response, which is why are they there? Let me explain that. Um, let's say it's somebody's playing on their cell phone. The reason they may be there is because they don't want to be left out. But the truth is they have no interest in the game. Mm -hmm. And the answer to that is going to be one thing. It might be saying, look, we'll keep going with Bill. Bill, it's cool you like us, <laughs> but you're being disruptive. This isn't fair to the rest of us. You know, if you want to hang out, great. Let, let's go get dinner on Wednesday night. Let's go mini golfing this Friday, whatever it, your thing is. But you need to show some respect. Either play or don't be here. But let's say it is somebody who's going through a rough period in their life who worked a long shift last night, who's dealing with attendance anxiety. You know, this person, even only being there with 25% energy, being there may represent an effort and an investment for them that was a lot harder than the person next to them that's giving 100%. And as a game master, I want to reward that and meet that halfway. And I might do that by trying at times to really put the spotlight on them, you know, to not expect them to jump at things, but to throw something in their lap and say, Bill, somebody approaches your character and is, is asking you this, you know, let's get you engaged. Or if they just can't focus, then I may just let them participate at their own speed. When they've got something to say, I will engage it and engage it happily. When they don't, I'm not going to give them any grief because, you know, they really are doing the best they can. They're not being disrespectful. They're just struggling. But, you know, then on that mutant third hand, I also can't kill the game on their behalf, you know, and say, well, we're going to stop until Bill's feeling it, which may be three years from now. <laughs> Um, it reminds me a little bit when I was, uh, uh, I have an education degree and when I was going through, one of my teachers said, you know, all of you are going to figure out how to manage a class. You're going to figure out how to control a group of kids. Cause that was what we were all most worried about. Um, she's like, you, that's fine. You'll, you'll figure it out. But what, what, uh, 
you need to really do the best way to manage a classroom is to start with amazing lessons. So if you have a great lesson, the kids will be there and show up and want to do it. Um, less of them will skip your class. Less of them will be disengaged, all of that. And I think it applies here too, um, that if you as DM, it, I think sometimes it can feel, it feels very uneven already because you're putting in so much work and you are corralling and usually scheduling and usually hosting and usually running the stream. Um, you, uh, it can feel uneven, but making sure that each player, just like you said, Dan, has, has an opportunity to jump in, that each one of them, all of their backstory hooks, you are using them. Uh, I think that goes a long way because then they feel more invested and they're more likely to show up. So, so Sergeant Dan is saying he has been that player where he's falling asleep at the table uh, because they were gaming near the end of his work, a long work day for him, and his turning the initiative order was near the end. <laughs> um, okay, so my take on that particular situation is you came in at the end of a long work day when you were tired, you're giving it your best effort. Uh, it's a real life thing that you can't help. If we cannot find a better time to schedule the game, or push it back an hour or two to give you time to take a nap or whatever it is. Um, I don't understand why someone didn't do something like say, hey, why don't we swap one of your feats for improved initiative? Or maybe we need to change up what you're playing. Or maybe we need to find a way to speed up these combat rounds or yes. something. <laughs> I mean, it seems like there are solutions here. I, 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 other than let's just accept the status quo as if somehow we are prisoner to these circumstances. Yeah, quick combats are, are big in that kind of situation. Try to, I always try to keep them moving as fast as I can uh, without, without losing out, I hope. But they can, get, they can drag out if you have a lot of players. Dan, you made a great point. You know, sometimes it's quick to, uh, you know, point the finger of like, well, Dan's, Dan's falling asleep. Obviously, the game sucks, or, you know. Um, but like, when is the game being scheduled? Did Dan even have a, a say? Uh, Sergeant Dan, in this case, did he even have sure. a say in when the, uh, the, the meeting was? Maybe not. You know, maybe he's like, okay, well, they all scheduled it. And they told me, hey, game was tomorrow at such and such time. And shit, that means I'm coming straight from work and after a, you know, 14-hour shift or something. So um, it's always good to take a second to step back and real, you know, or even ask the questions of why, how did we get here, right? Like, So I have, um, I have a suggestion for anybody who needs to coordinate more than two people to actually schedule a game or literally anything. Uh, and if you've never used it before, it's doodle.com. Doodle like doodling on like drawing a picture. Um, and basically you just send people a link, they input their available days and the, uh, the software just lines up all the days where everyone's available. Um, so you don't have to do that 20 minute back and forth. Like what about the third? Oh no, I'm visiting my mom. What about the sixth? Oh, I can't, I have to work. So then you have, uh, you have it set up so quickly and seamlessly so doodle.com everybody use that doodle.com this is i've not i don't currently have any game scheduling problems but actually it is good to know because i'm sure i will at some point in my future yeah yeah i mean that's kind of one of the reasons the the, the initial topic came to the gnome steel article was that how, how many times i've seen whether it's usually it's the gm but whoever schedules the game eventually they get burned out before the game actually dies and that, that's kind of another gradual way that a game can die is that you just make the scheduling so damn difficult for the person that once they have one other problem going on, they're like, I'm done. And the game fades mm -hmm. and people are like, I thought we were playing on Friday. Oh, I talked to so-and-so and they were saying it's next week. Well, I guess it's Friday, so we're not playing. 
and you, before you know it, nobody even realized, you know, Scrim is so sick and tired of chasing everyone down. And Dan was available Thursday until yesterday, which had changed. And Dan didn't tell me. And Pete's sitting in my, you know, he's knocking my door because he thought it was this Thursday, like every Thursday. But we just talked about how it was going to be Friday. And, you know, someone's pulling their hair out. And they're like, you know what? I'm yeah. for the holidays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have either of you found yourself in that case, uh, I know I, I've definitely chased players. Um, thankfully, persistence is usually one of my strong suits. Uh, if that game gets too rough to schedule, I'll just find a way that it's ending sooner than I had planned. <laughs> you know, like the story arc is now three sessions instead of the eight one that I had in mind. Yeah, yeah you can. I, I think. I think it, there's something to be said for knowing when a game's nearing its end. Maybe not because of you your meticulous planning. Um, but maybe because you just sense the lack of interest and the lack of excitement or whatever, and you just want to give it a couple more sessions, give it a, a strong finale, and then figure something else out. That's, that's a really good point. I think one of the things I would suggest is group communication. Uh, don't let people have side conversations about scheduling because this is where a lot of times it goes to hell. Because one person says they're not free on this day, and only that person and maybe the GM know and plans start getting shifted. And I'm suddenly I'm having five conversations, a separate one with each player. Doodle.com. Yeah, doodle.com, <laughs> a Facebook group, a chain email, a Discord channel. I don't care what it is. I mean, in this day and age, there is no reason you cannot have a communication line going that involves everyone and say, this is where we're going to discuss this stuff. And if somebody says suddenly, I'm not free Friday, everybody saw that and everybody can participate in the solution. You know, actually catching a slight side point, there's one that Nick Morgan just threw out here in chat, getting stuck at the end of initiative behind the warlock and the druid who doesn't know what animal is best is a perfectly valid reason to stop <laughs> paying attention. Okay, if that's your problem, here's your solution. 10 second countdown. Whatever the, the initiative around is in a game, six seconds for most D&D editions, 10 to seconds for some games, when you get to their turn, you'd be like, okay, what are you doing? Six, five, four, three, two, one. Cool. Bob, what are you doing? And you just bounce right past them. If you can't pick something in that amount of time and you are damaging the game in the process, I mean, come on. The Game Master prepared the entire game. The Game Master has to know all the rules, all the characters, all the NPCs, all the plot hooks. You seriously cannot read your damn spell list. <laughs> I mean, really? <laughs> I know, I'm not saying do this every round, but I'm just saying, if you got a problem player, you know, spanking isn't the first line of discipline, but maybe there is a time to put hand to ass. <laughs> I usually, I usually give them like, I'm like, okay, uh, it's Dan's turn. Pete, you're on deck. You're next. So that they at least are like, if they, if somebody did take 40 minutes with their turn or whatever. Yeah, well, no, oh, dear God, no. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> at least they're like, oh yeah, I'm next. Oh, okay. Where am I? What's happening? <laughs> So yeah, Eric, Eric, who's the passive aggressive presence in this show, because he doesn't appear on the show, but he's talking in chat, said that I did that to him just the other day, which I did do. Except <laughs> Eric, in your case, it wasn't to push your reaction. It was to avoid a group consensus. I didn't want the other players telling you what to do and turning what should have been a snap decision 
into a well-thought-out, well-planned, well-orchestrated moment. And so the countdown was actually to shut everyone else up by creating the (laughs) illusion of pressure on you. Um, (laughs) You got out of that one real quick there, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. That was good. So I I don't know. I I think my main thesis on this, I, I guess we started off talking about difficulties in scheduling games. And we started talking about the holidays, you know, and, and as we're here in August in the last, what, 10, 15 minutes of the show, I really think the biggest piece of advice I can give is you've got to keep the game alive. You know, if if you can do side games, do side games. If you can do one shots and you know what, it's only with individual players and do it. If the game master is not available, players, I know it's kind of nerdy. In fact, I know it's really nerdy, but we're playing role playing games. So get over it. Swaps some emails in character or Kick around some theories about what you think the big bad's plan is. Just do anything to keep that game alive. Go onto the Discord channel or the Facebook group your your gaming group has. And if they don't have one, create one. And say, hey, I just found this picture. And I, I this is totally how I picture that one NPC. This is what Boblin the Goblin totally looks like in my head. It's this guy right here. Or, you know... Castle Malvincroft. I, I, I totally picture this. But just something to keep that moment alive in people's minds, to keep them invested in, you know, in, that, in that momentum. Um, anything. And surely there is something you can do. Side RP, one-shot games, side quests, discussion, just anything. And that might lead us into the next part is that, you know, I mean, one common backfill is the one shot, right, is the the side game, um, which is a good idea, but obviously can uh, eclipse your own game, um, given at what point you install a side game. And I think that's really key is I think if you install a side game and it's like, hey, the, the campaign is going great and we're like on session three and everyone's still high and mighty on it, everyone's having a good time, like, your side game's not going to kill it. But if we're, you know, a year in or four months in, we have spotty spotty attendance. Uh, we've done a lot of side games because side quests in our main campaign because uh, key players keep missing. Occasionally the GM is not prepared because the GM really didn't think we were going to play that week. Um, that's when your side game eclipses your main game. Mm. Um, so it's great to install one early or even set the expectations of players now because like what Dan, what Dan was saying is like, Play, it's game night. Like you've got to play. Like if people don't show up, you still got to play because it, it it only takes so many sessions of that or so many nights before people aren't really thinking about coming. They're they're actually starting to think about like I kind of hope it doesn't happen tonight because this new movie came out. I kind of hope it doesn't happen tonight because I'm tired. I kind of hope and you don't want that negative mindset because once that's in, that's just difficult. Unless you do have a lifelong group, you know. Um, but I know from my own experience, some of my lifelong groups, like I, I had to leave, like I had to go find other people because, um, you know, get, and some people I know in the chat and some other people I've talked to, and there's plenty of people like, well, you know, a lot of times we don't, we don't play anymore. We just talk. And that's not necessarily bad. It's just one of those things. But if people came and set aside the time to play and they don't actually play anymore, um, clearly that's something that's going to weed out more players too. I would also suggest if the GM, for some reason, and I'm going to presume if the GM is the problem, this is a either a new thing or a phase in life. If the GM is habitually the problem, he or she should not be the GM. Yeah. Uh, but let's say you're just going through the holiday season and they've got work things and family things and in-laws and step family and kids stuff that just annihilates November and December. Fine. I think they need to unpucker a bit. Uh, there was a D and D game that I was in that we uh, 
talk about quite a bit on our own show where it was a four-person D&D game. Chad was running, Wayne, uh, Pat, and I were the players. And um, I know that if we had gone through a period in that game, there was one point where my character actually wanted to take Wayne's character, who was something of a fop, and kind of harden him up a bit, toughen him up. And if I had said, you know what? Because we had a point in the game where like six months went by. There was like a six-month time jump. And I don't mean real world. I mean in-game. I mean, at the end of this night, it was January. And we understood the next time we met, it, it was going to be July. Okay, that that was the in-game timeline. And Chad asked us, what are you guys doing during that downtime? Well, if that had coincided with a long break... I could have said, you know what, um, Wayne, why don't you and I get together and I'm going to run a side game and Chad can decide how much of it actually counts for anything. But we're just going to explore a side story about what happens when your foppish character gets drug off by my mm-hmm. character's Knoll clan and taught against his will how to be a badass and just what an absolute comic nightmare that's going to be you know play the odd couple show and just have some fun with it just to keep it alive yeah uh this is actually something similar to oops i think uh sergeant dan who no who is it who just said this yeah sergeant dan just said this no gm do what i do buy the new book and tell them they're running it but (laughs) i don't think you even have to jump out of the game to do it uh i think you can do it with um with the main game. If you'll excuse me here for hogging the mics a bit, there was another one, and I wasn't in this game, but uh, there was one that another gaming group I'm aware of did where their game was occurring in two stories. It was a Dresden game, and they had the main serious Dresden game, but then they had a side game of Inspectors. And for anyone who's not familiar with Inspectors, it's this little like $10 indie game that's uh, it's like a high comedy, high concept, rules light, uh, sort of Ghostbusters type game. That sounds awesome. And, oh, it's a ton of fun. And what they would do is that group was a group of completely normal people that had like a ghost hunting podcast or or TV show or something that was set in parallel. Yeah, that's it. Pete's got it right there. Inspectors, the ghost swallowing his his own mouth there. But it's a great game. And they had a side game that was set in the same world, simultaneous to the same plot, but they switched to different characters. But they were still immersed in it. But it didn't matter who was there or not there because it was a completely different game. It just so happened to be occurring in tandem, and they would encounter the events the main group was responsible for. That's neat. It's a cool idea. I like it. <laughs> We're definitely nearing the end. So if, if you have questions and you're in the chat, please throw them at us while there's still the last few remaining minutes. Well, we're waiting on chat to catch up. Relative D-Pod threw out a great idea, which is if you can do nothing else, discuss the discussion. That's not how it was phrased. I'm I'm shorthanding it here. But if you know your next game isn't going to be for two months, even if you're not talking about the characters, the plot, the setting, even simply being like, hey, here's the plot point we left off on. Anyone got a plan for how we're going to take this guy down? Or next games, you know, in January, everyone's still got that blocked out. Everyone's still psyched for that. That Saturday's still open. I mean, you can 
discuss the discussion. You could keep moving this back just to keep people engaged. I also thought, you know, it's worth mentioning since we, we kind of didn't talk about it, but we did tangentially was that, you know, sometimes you, you or me, like we're going to be the problem player. Like we're going to be the person who can't commit. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Scrim, you mentioned, you know, like I have a one-year-old. It was very clear for me to be like, hey, I know that I'm going to, my attendance is going to be spotty to be the person who's forthright and be like, hey, this is coming up, gang. You know, like this is where I'm going to segue into whatever my next phase is for where my gaming life is going to be for a while. Um, you know, and that's, it's just important for you to do. Like uh, we're, you're not always going to be able to be the Tuesday night gamer and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but as long as we now have a plan, Right. So the game master, if you have to step away from that role or, you know, someone can we can fill the void or replace the space until they keep the game alive. You know, so um, like, like people have said in the chat many times, you know, that the people are more important than the game. But sometimes we also let the people cause all kinds of problems that don't allow the game to be fun. And uh, that's kind of one of the things with scheduling is if you, if you let it run rampant, uh, it can ruin the game before the game even starts or before the game ever ends. So. so I'm going to take a stab here at a pronunciation from chat. Pseudogon, I, I don't know how badly I butchered that, uh, is asking about an antisocial player like me, uh, not me personally, uh, them, uh, who loves the concept of tabletop gaming but seldom actually does it. You say seldomly does it, so it implies you actually do show up sometimes. But let me ask you two questions. One, would an adjustment to the nature of the game make your life easier? If so, that's a conversation that I think needs to be had with the group. And they, I think it's fair, ought to make some attempt to reasonably accommodate your situation. Uh, I think the other thing I would look at is, are, are you prepared, having already admitted you're an antisocial individual, um, are you prepared to say, okay, because of my problems, once again, no fault here, just talking about, oh, you sound like leaving the house. Believe me, I get that one. <laughs> I've actually been through phases like that myself. Um, maybe online gaming is an option. If it is you don't like leaving the house, but you prefer gaming face-to-face, then I think the best you can do is uh, talk to the game master and reach some kind of an accommodation of saying, look, you can't count on me being there, but I'd like to know that I always have a seat amongst my friends if it's possible. And in return, I accept that I may not be as important to the plot as the other characters. Looks like we're just about uh, out of time for this one. So uh, go ahead and tell everyone where they can find you. Uh, They can find me at feartheboot.com. Real easy to spell, exactly like it sounds. Um, yes, I am Scrim, and uh, you can find me every other week generally on Shadowcasters Network, although we're a little bit pa- pausing a little bit because of holidays, um, and uh, on Twitter at Scrimerva. Okay, and clearly you can see at Vembranner, which is my old Twitter handle up there, but uh, you can find most of my stuff uh, at ImaginingGames.com. Um, primarily news is updated at Imagining Games on Facebook or the Dream Chaser RPG group. And clearly this was uh, brought about because of my recent Gnomestew article, uh, Don't Doubt Your Gaming Group. So you can find that at gnomestew.com. All right. Uh, thank you, Pete, Scrim, and Dan for hosting this week. Um, and thank you to Sergeant Dan, uh, Nick Morgan, uh, Relative Depod coming in strong with some uh, good questions. Uh, Suta Lagan, if I pronounced that name right, I can't, I don't know if I got that one right or not. Uh, And then Dusty, as always, coming in strong with uh, uh, the first question of the night. Uh, So thank you so much to everybody for uh, joining us. Next week's hosts are Chris, 
Chad and Pedro. And uh, thank you all again for watching and we will see you again next week.